Hi, I'm Trevor, and I'm Kyle. Uh, and today, this is a, uh, this is a little bit different format. Um, I don't want to say we're going to go head to head, but we've I've been meaning to do an episode about uh, the Marvel. Marvel movies in general, but mostly we're going to focus on the MCU specifically, and Trevor will explain exactly what that means. Um, but originally, I wanted to just do an episode on why I think Deadpool 2 is the greatest movie in the MCU, and Trevor's like, uh, Kyle, actually, um, he's not a part of the MCU, so we're like, okay, fuck it, let's just talk about all the Marvel comics, let's just, let, all the comic book movies, all the Marvel stuff, uh, but we'll mostly be focusing on the MCU. Yeah, uh, last night I had to throw my finger up and go, uh-uh-uh, 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 didn't say the magic word. Because oh. uh, <clears throat> just to explain to anyone out there who might not know, um, MCU refers to Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, currently, that means pretty much anything that's Disney-owned. I mean, Disney owns all of Marvel now, but back in 2008, when the MCU got started with the first Iron Man film... Um, that was kind of the start of this this project moving forward where we're going to create uh, several individual film franchises and then merge them down the line. Uh, so what Kyle means by other Marvel movies is uh, there is there was a division of uh, the Marvel, Marvel uh, trademark properties. Um, Sony owning Spider-Man and uh, 20th Century Fox owning X-Men and pretty much the rights to the word mutant. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and and any closely related characters. They also own the Fantastic Four, but nobody gives a shit Nobody about that, so. <laughs> cares about the Fantastic Four. Nobody does. <laughs> Those movies I, suck. I'm a big comic fan, or at least I was, and uh, damn, I, I just could not get invested in the fan, in the fan four stick. Um, but yeah, uh, now that Fox has been purchased by Marvel, um, the the thing we're expecting to see down the road is a, a merging of these properties. I, uh, uh, we're probably more than likely going to see a, a Wolverine and an X-Men uh, in the MCU proper at some point. Uh, obviously, these things, you know, in the corporate world, it takes several years to get this all rolling. It doesn't happen overnight. Although, um, that Spider-Man uh, appearing in... Civil War to begin with, uh, Captain America Civil War, <clears throat> that was an instance of Sony deciding to play ball with uh, Disney slash Marvel. Uh, they basically loaned the character out. They, have, they haven't actually returned the rights to Marvel just yet. Um, and <laughs> what, what's kind of funny now is um, there's this period of time where a lot of, a lot of dorks out there on the internet were really excited <laughs> to see uh, Spider-Man returned to the MCU proper. So that the Disney folks could, you know, spin their magic and make the best use of the character, uh, because the Amazing Spider-Man movies were an indication that yeah, maybe not the best people were handling the character at the time. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Venom, a movie that Kyle and I reviewed not too long ago, uh, and that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film, which is apparently amazing, uh, apparently those made all the money. Uh, so now Sony has like has like their death grip tightened even further on Spider-Man. So I'm sure we'll continue to see uh, Spider-Man in the MCU, uh, as evidenced by that Far From Home movie that you know we we got a teaser trailer. For. Well, damn, that wasn't even a teaser. That was a full fucking trailer. <laughs> um, that, that was like a couple weeks ago. Um, but as of yet, Sony has yet to cede control of uh, Spider-Man to uh, the Marvel folks. 
Oh, so was, anyway, that was that was a big nerdy spiel, Kyle. How about you jump in on the conversation? I was, I was going to say at the top here before we get into this, um, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, go and check out some of our older episodes. This is a completely biased podcast. Uh, we, we are going from our point of view on what we like, and that's pretty much how this is going to go. Um, my knowledge of comic books is very low, so if I say something wrong... I don't care if you correct me, uh, I'm, I'm you as a listener, I, I, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not into the MCU, which is kind of why I wanted to have this discussion too, because um, Trevor's more into Marvel, and I'm actually more of a Batman guy. I love Batman. Um, he's DC, of course. Uh, so we might we we might get into some uh, not an argument in this one, but <laughs> there's going to be some back and forth. Um, but I I wanted to just mention Batman briefly. Um, one of the reasons why I'm not crazy about Marvel is all the characters aren't on the same are on the same um, level to say Batman. Everybody is mortal. Everybody's human, um, arguably. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there there are there are some exceptions in his uh his gallery of rogues, but carry on. Yeah, I mean, Mister Freeze is. I mean, and well, Ray Rachel Ghoul in the comics is essentially immortal, mm. whereas in the Nolan films, you know, he's revealed to be Liam Neeson. But then, <laughs> I mean, who, who basically may may as well be immortal, given how many people he's he's punching in his fifties. But you know, well, whatever. Well, that's what I like about Batman is that. Like Tim Burton movies, he's kind of grounded in reality. Um, you have some misfits, uh, more or less, but you're able to ground Batman into reality, as we've seen with the Christopher Nolan movies. It's like, yeah, we can we can kind of ground this in reality. Whereas the MCU, you can't. Like at least at least with the Marvel characters, some of them, like um, what's his face, I can't stand um, with the bow and arrow. <laughs> oh, Haw- Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, he's he has no special power. Oh, he's in that new one too. That new event. Did you watch the new Avengers trailer? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in there. I'm like, uh, really? All the all the all the neckbeards out there, are like, oh my god, he's in Ronin form. Oh, uh, gosh. he had a he had a period in the 2000s where he assumed a new identity, that of Ronin, and he had a sword. Cause swords are cool. Um, <laughs> I, when when these Marvel movies start coming out, I re- like we're gonna be mostly talking about the ones. Um, Iron Man and up, essentially. We're not really going back to the um, uh, to the old Spider Man or the old. Yeah, yeah. We're we're talking MCU proper. Yeah. Uh, the Sp- the Spider Man films were kind of like one of the major catalysts to get us to where we're at. But uh, I think those were those were still owned by Sony. Like I think since then that's that's been the Sony the Sony property. See, I was ever since Marvel went bankrupt and had to sell all the rights to all the characters. <laughs> See, I liked that first Spider-Man movie. Um, the second one, I don't remember it very well, but I've heard that that's the best one. And then once the third one came out and I saw that, I I was like, I don't give a fuck about these movies. So when they when they started doing Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, uh, Thor, and all these were coming out, I'm like, I do not care. But as they've progressed, I've become I, I like them a bit more now. Like I'm starting to enjoy these movies a bit more. Oh, I'm glad to hear that because the they ain't going anywhere. <laughs> oh, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> but um, it's funny you, you mentioned the, the the power level issue that you have some you have some problems with that. Yeah, and you feel more comfortable with Batman because I'm actually very much the same way. 
Um, I I prefer what what they tend to call a street level superheroes. So when those those Netflix shows started coming out, I, my ears kind of perked up because most of those characters aren't characters that are terribly important to me. I really do like Daredevil. Like I've read a lot of Daredevil comics, but uh, Cage and Iron Fist and Jessica Jones, uh, not so much. Yeah. Uh, actually, Moon Knight is one of my favorite characters in in the Marvel comics, or at least he was until I stopped reading a few years ago. But um, I, I that tends to be more in my wheelhouse. Like the characters who have basically human capabilities and human level threats. Um, the MCU stuff, uh, part of the problem of having a cinematic universe is that, um, just like in the comic books, uh, you often encounter situations where um, you you have a character like uh, like Hawkeye-level capable. Yeah. And then he's in a situation where he's in over his head, and it's really tense. But then the little voice in the back of your head is saying, why doesn't he just call Thor? Seriously. <laughs> Because every single time that that'll happen, because that's the idea is that they're a team. They're supposed they're supposed to be able to lean on each other, and they've d- actually done a very good job in the MCU films uh, to counter that um, by having characters be indisposed in some fashion. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron was actually pretty fucking hilarious, where um, right before the climax of the film, Thor just kind of leaves. He's just like, oh, but, uh, I, I, like I took the bad acid. I gotta go. <laughs> like, like he has, he has a fever dream, and he has to go. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's just a very lazy scripting element where he, it's just like, ah, oh, shit, we gotta get Thor off the table. Was that the James Spader? Where James Spader's doing that? The voice? Was okay. the James Spader? One. I va- I remember that being an X Men, X Men movie for some reason. I, I'm getting it confused with another movie. I think it kind of feels like an X Men movie, doesn't actually. it? It's kind of hokey. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean it's it's from a from a screenwriting standpoint, it's one of the weaker films. Um, it's a bit of a mess. It does have some you know cheap thrills in it, but uh, it often gets criticized as being one of those uh, bridge films where it's like this is not a this is not a full story. Mm-hmm. This is a bridge to another one. Um, so it's it feels flimsy, I guess. Just colorful, loud, and flimsy. Um, so what, let's you want to jump into the what movies we do like in the MCU, and we can also talk about which ones we do like in the in just Marvel in general. Um, and you can even we can even talk about which movies we think from the Marvel. There universe. are no rules. It's there are no rules. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, Kyle. What would be one that you would put near the top of your list? Well, I'd say that if we're going MCU strictly, I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is my favorite. Um, Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther are just neck and neck for second. Um, okay. Uh, I have I just recently watched uh, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther. Um, I rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one not too long ago, because I hadn't seen mm. it in a really long time. Um yeah, I I I've been I've been told for a long time, especially by you, that Thor Ragnarok was really good, and I like I could not care less about Thor. Um, but then I saw him in uh, oh snap, um, in the event I think it was in the first Avengers movie, and that was like my first uh, my first time actually seeing him on screen, and like he was actually really funny, and I'm like okay maybe maybe there is something here. Um, and I really that Thor Ragnarok was really really good. Um, yeah, that's uh, 
Chris Hemsworth's secret weapon is not only is he absurdly good looking, he's also quite funny. <laughs> he is very charismatic. Un- it's kind of amazing that it took until like a few years after that first Thor movie that like people started to realize that. It's like, holy shit, he's really funny. We yeah. should let him do that. <laughs> and now he does a lot of comedic films. He's fucking hilarious in that vacation movie, the Ed Helms vacation movie. He... He steals it. He steals it. Like he's the I'll best have to part. take your word for that because I'm sorry, Kyle. I don't think I can. I it's, don't think I can toss an hour and a half at that film. I had some good chuckles out of it, but he was the best part. Um, oh, I don't doubt that. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure bloated Chevy Chase is just embarrassing. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy too. I think that. I think a lot of people like Guardians of the Galaxy. Both of those movies. Um, and it, I, I'm, I would think you would like it more because it has Batista uh, as a character. <laughs> yeah, it does have a good, a good dose of Batista, and I do like that. I do like the animal of Batista. In fact, uh, I put one of his movies on the list of uh, to watch, like of potential episodes of the film called by the name of uh, Bushwick. Hmm. Um, I actually had a couple of my other friends watch it a few years ago. Uh, as just a fun excuse to do something like what we're doing right now, um, very cool movie, uh, and he's he's very much the star of it for the most part. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Two is it's funny because the the themes are are very heavy, very powerful stuff that yeah. it really does resonate with me. Like not me personally, I guess, but like, I know what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. and the the father son stuff in there is is very heavy and yeah. actually pretty well executed but for the most part i feel like the themes are maybe more powerful than the actual execution okay um, i loves me some kurt russell uh, <laughs> i'm not sure about that climax uh, it felt a little over overblown a little a little on the stupid side uh, yeah. Where Chris Pratt goes Super Saiyan and starts punching his dad. <laughs> it's like it's like ah uh, okay. <laughs> but um, from from like a audio visual standpoint, it's a gorgeous film. A lot of the design elements in there are are incredible. Like uh, Kurt Russell's planet. Yeah, like ego. All the, all the different nooks and crannies in there, and it's all very intricately detailed. I appreciate that. And that that closing line, uh, I I had a pretty cool dad. Yeah, that I mean, damn, that's it got that's beautiful. It got me. Yeah, it got me. It got me. I mean, my dad's my dad's still around, and that got me. <laughs> well, it was just the funeral, like they the funeral scene. It was uh, it was really powerful. I thought it was a really good addition to Absolutely. that movie. It was really good. Um, and and the the connection between him and and Yondu, like that that was a interesting relationship that we saw grow over two films. And I'm actually very proud of them for being willing to close the door on that i really liked lee pace in the first one i liked that villain <laughs> i'm sorry I, he was he was definitely like like shakespearean scary oh he's he is the ultimate straight man <laughs> oh, he, he was, in a very silly film <laughs> it's yeah i and that ending where they he just starts singing and dancing it's like what are what you, are you, you doing, doing? <laughs> it's pretty funny um no, uh, my my one problem with him, and it's small, is that I mean, like I said, he's he's the straight man in a very goofy film. Um, it's kind of a thankless role because of that. Um, it's very flat for the most part. 
Um, part of the problem with the character is that uh, in the comics he has a long backstory that has virtually nothing to do with anything that happens in the film and it's like oh couldn't you pick someone else or something <laughs> um, you know I have a feeling I'm going to call it right now actually um, I have a feeling that they're going to revisit him in uh, that Captain Marvel film oh we'll get to um, that because he's from the same planet slash race that Captain Marvel's associated with and if I'm correct Captain Marvel takes place in the past in like the 90s I can see that uh, so he would still be alive and he'd still be active, and he wouldn't... I'm guessing he wouldn't be that crazy renegade that he was in the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, because it it does seem to be... I can't recall if it was actually explicitly stated, but it seems like he's uh, he's splintered off mm-hmm. from whatever whatever empire he belongs to, the Kree. Um, funny, that's not the first time they've done that. Um, very conveniently, the... Uh, the Nazis in uh, Captain America, oh, the first yeah. Avenger, are not Nazis. We don't use the word Nazi around here. They are Hydra agents. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We don't We don't have that uh, that rotating, spindly uh, symbol with the red, white, and black. No, no, Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question. Um, where is Hellboy? Is he Marvel? Is he a comic? Mm-mm. What is he? he? He is Dark Horse. Dark Horse, uh, I okay. Believe they're I believe they're based in uh, Portland, or at okay. least Oregon. Okay. I was I was just I just don't know. Yeah, there. we got a new Hellboy on the way. Um, well, that first trailer did not exactly knock my socks off. I, we should talk about at least Blade Two at some point. Um, oh yeah, no, you and I both mutually have a lot of appreciation for the Blade films, at least the first two. Well, think about... I, I didn't think about this, and I kind of want to talk about it now. Um, I, I, we need to talk about some of the movies that you like in the MCU, but just a real quick segue. Um, Guillermo, he's directed two comic book movies that I'm aware of. Uh, well, I mean, Hellboy 1 and 2, two, char- two different characters. He's done Blade 2, and then he did the first, uh, the first two Hellboy movies. Um, I love all three of those movies. Can we get Guillermo to direct some kind of Marvel movie? Um, I mean, I'm sure the the Marvel people would would love to have that. Although um, there is a bit of a tinfoil hat thing about that. Or mm. uh, um, the theory for a long time now has been that uh, Kevin Feige, Feige, is a he's the executive producer behind the MCU films. Um, he's known to be like the mastermind behind um, making sure the the themes and the content of all these films uh, sync up well. Um, it's it's led to a, a thing where my friends and I call Marvel movies Marvel good, <laughs> where oftentimes you'll leave the theater and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. And it's like, it starts to sink in a little later where it's like, that had some issues. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but then like, it's, you know, three, four months later and it's like, oh, there's another one in theater and then you just throw those negative thoughts out the window because it, it's, it's good enough in the moment but it's not exactly a work of art. It's just good enough to, yeah. to tide you over to the next one. But the theory with the Marvel movies is that a lot of the directors that have been assigned to these films, uh, the Russo brothers in particular, a lot of a lot of them have like a background in television and part of being a television director is uh, 
being able to play in other people's sandboxes. Being able to jump onto a property, not take 100% full ownership of it, just like rent it for a while, and uh, hand it off to the next guy uh, cleanly. Um, that's a that's a very important thing for a television director to be able to do. In fact, uh, I've I've read that directing TV, a lot of times what happens is the the lead actors involved in the projects end up partially directing uh, because the level of ownership that they take of the characters exceeds that of the director because the director just shows up you know for an episode at a time whereas the actors are there every single day uh, so like things like script writing and and the way scenes are put together sometimes they get dictated by the actors because they end up whispering in the director's ear and tell them hey you know this doesn't exactly make sense for my character that I've been building for the past eight years yeah <laughs> And so the theory with the directors for the MCU films is that uh, we're not looking for auteurs. We're not looking for guys who are trying to reinvent the wheel. We're looking for people who can keep the story running. Gotcha. Because, I mean, the the funny thing about the Marvel Good exp- expression is that if you look at their release schedule, it makes sense. Because if you make a movie that's too good, then you're setting a standard for the next one to live that's up true. to. That's true. So if you keep it just like at, at eighty instead of knocking it up to a hundred, you're keeping the cons- you're keeping the audience consistently satisfied without like killing yourself trying to make the best fucking movie ever. Well, the other thing with Guillermo is that I think he puts a lot of himself into the that's, character. That's designs. what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Is that Guillermo is an auteur. Yeah. Like I know I know a lot of people don't subscribe to the theory of you know auteur of auteur filmmakers, but his movies are Guillermo Guillermo movies, movies yeah, 100%. yeah. <laughs> like you see him in his products and I think it would maybe yeah. clash with their style if they if you had you know a decade of flatly color graded uh, <laughs> like lazily scored <laughs> Marvel films and then all of a sudden this this dark cinematic operatic Guillermo film <laughs> well <laughs> It's set during the Spanish Revolution for some reason. <laughs> no, why are we... Like, literally, that would be the joke in there is RDJ would be like, why are we in Spain? Why are... Well, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Jarvis, why are we in Spain? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my um, God. That would be pretty great, though. So what's but, some... Oh, oh, go ahead. But... But... Um, every comic book universe out there has has different dark corners. Um, uh oftentimes the expression is like family like there's the bat family and the flash family and the superman family so these are all like characters and story elements that are traditionally thought of as belonging to these core characters so for instance like punisher punisher exists in the marvel universe however the characters that he clashes with like the world that he lives in very rarely touches the other elements of the Marvel Universe. And in both Marvel and DC, there exists like uh, like supernatural characters that are very, very, very seldom featured in, in those stories, like in the grand story arcs and stuff. But there are characters that occupy those worlds. Like, for instance, uh, Marvel has something called the Man-Thing. It's, it's not Swamp Thing, it's Man-Thing. <laughs> He's this big swamp beast that like touches people and sets them on fire, and he had his own comic at one point. 
Jeez. And then we have characters like Doctor Strange, who probably is not very many people's favorite character, but he lives in that supernatural realm where you can get into the weird magical shit, and you can you can hand wave all that away with it's oh it's weird magical shit. See, I didn't. So want- I could see Guillermo. I could see Guillermo working on one of those niche films that mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't directly touch the other ones too much. Um, I didn't. I haven't seen uh, Doctor Strange. I only only Doctor Strange that I've seen is in the, that uh, Infinity War. Um, and okay. I, I do want to go back and watch Doctor Strange now because of that. Uh, he was very good in Infinity War. Oh yeah, um, his like his interplay with uh, with Tony Stark, with Robert Downey Jr. was uh, inspired. He can just play off that's, anybody, that's, though. That's, that's a, part of the beauty of having a cinematic universe is that, um, again, like I said, the actors can start to dictate things because they've inhabited these roles long enough that they, they can get inside of the head of these, the head of these characters. So part of, part of the scripting process involved just, like, throwing two characters into a room and then having the actors conference on how would this, how would this play out? How would... Uh, a prima donna doctor from New York and a billionaire weapon designer from New York <laughs> who's also a prima donna how would how would these two egos clash and we got a pretty good representation of that in, in that first Infinity War film I kind of want to get Deadpool going off of uh, Iron Man like just because Deadpool is such a he's I want to say wiry like he's the no, he's wiry he's just wiry like <laughs> it, like he seems like you should be able to keep him under control but he keeps fidgeting like god damn it I can't like oh he's so frustrating uh yeah I, I was just watching him I, I like I said I mentioned before we started I watched rewatched both the Deadpool movies last night um in preparation for this because originally what I wanted to do is make a case for the dead saying that Deadpool was my favorite Marvel movie, um, MCU movie, but it's actually probably my favorite Marvel movie. Um, so let's get into what you your uh, favorite Marvel MCU movies are. All right. Well, we can we can rotate back around to your uh, your Guardians because I would like to hear a little bit more about like things that you liked about it and just mm. thoughts you had on it. But um, one of my favorites is one that I don't know that you've seen. Mm. Um, it's a uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I have not seen Winter Soldier. I've seen a little bit of the first one. I saw Civil War. I don't remember Civil War. Uh, I I just got really boring to me. Um, I don't like Captain America. I don't like the character. I don't like. Uh, I don't dislike the actor, uh, Chris Evans. I don't dislike him, but yeah. I just I dislike him in that role. Uh, oh. that's just me personally. Okay. Yeah, it's funny because like having grown up reading comics and stuff. Uh, nobody likes Captain America. <laughs> I can't stand him. <laughs> Most people I know can't stand Captain America. I have maybe one friend who has any appreciation for him, and a big reason why that friend likes Captain America is that he liked the idea of a supposed hero carrying a shield as their their primary symbol slash weapon. Because mm-hmm. he he's he's a dad. He's largely a pacifist type person. Like, that was an idea that resonated with him. He, he found that to be admirable. And I do, too. And I happen to really like Captain America as a character. So it's always been very difficult for me whenever, you know, whenever I've been around dorks talking about comics, everybody's always shitting on Captain America. And I'm like, I like him. <laughs> 
But well, I, I think Chris Evans really, really nailed the, the sincerity of the character. And that's what I don't like really about the does. character. I know that's what you don't like about the character, but that's what I, that's yeah. what I like. Yeah. Is that he's, he's the one guy in the room who's not necessarily always right, but is always going to try his best to be honest. And I don't know. He, he just has that air of confidence about him where holier than thou. A little bit. <laughs> That's what bugs me he's, about. He's him. a little. He's a little bit of a tool. I can. I can concede that. <laughs> yeah. But that's the point. You, is you need. You need that guy. Like, up. Let me put it to you this way. <laughs> let me tell you something, brother. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Leonardo, on the Ninja Turtles, is no one's favorite Ninja Turtle. Maybe there's a kid out there who likes him most because he has he has swords and swords yeah. are cool. There's always a dork out there who likes swords. This is it's science, Kyle. Yeah. If you're playing a video game and there are characters without swords and a character with a sword, the nerd is always going to pick the guy with the sword. Of course. It's yeah. it's science. Yeah. <laughs> or the one but, he's he's red, isn't he? He's the red. No. <laughs> he's blue. <laughs> oh. Okay. God. No, Leonardo is the blue one with the with the swords. He he is no one's favorite Ninja Turtle except like I said maybe a few dorks out there who like Thorth. Um, Leonardo is... Leonardo leads. Donatello does machines. <laughs> Raphael is rude but crude. Yes. And Michelangelo is a party dude. Party. <laughs> Spicoli. So what, the, the point... <laughs> yeah, he's Spicoli. He's Spicoli. Right here, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, point I'm trying to make here is that Leonardo is the leader. Yeah. That's his that's his defining characteristic. He is the leader. Any good storytelling involving the Ninja, Ninja Turtles and holy shit, I just used the the phrase good storytelling in reference to the Ninja Turtles. Any good storytelling involving Leonardo has to has to touch on that. Has to touch on his position as the leader, his overblown sense of responsibility. His his belief that he that's his role, that's who he has to be. Uh, it leads to inner conflict and stuff, and you get that with Captain America too. Well, yeah, because he's going up against um, Tony Stark, who is insanely intelligent, and that's I think where the frustration gets is like Captain America's like, no, we just got to do the right thing, and and Tony Stark's like, just no, that's stupid. We shouldn't be doing that, and that's why it's frustrating. That's why he's frustrating as a character is because he's he's not as smart. He's just more confident. He's not as smart, but he is actually very smart. And they actually I'm do not a saying pretty good stupid. job of showing that. Yeah. No, they they do a pretty good job of demonstrating that in um in the first Avenger, the first Captain America film, and the Avengers, mm-hmm. the up till that point second Captain America film. Well, Captain America 1.5. <laughs> um, in that first Avenger movie, they have a couple of scenes where they show him. They demonstrate the fact that this is a person who grew up being physically incapable of much. So we, we, we learn that he's a very good artist because what do you do in the 30s and 40s when you're not physically capable? Yeah, you <laughs> like draw. If you're stuck inside all day, you read and you draw. And then in a, what I did like what they did with him in that first Avengers film is that he is he is shit on so badly in that first Avengers film. Yeah. For like, for like two-thirds of the film, he just cannot catch a break. He is the odd man out in that he's from a different time period. His capabilities like when we see him spring into action the first thing he does is 
Uh, he throws a shield that bounces off of Thor and Iron Man, does nothing to harm them. It just bounces off. And then Thor hits him with his hammer, and he blocks it and doesn't die, thank God. <laughs> that That's his first action scene in the film. But, no, prior to that, though, we get to see him throw some punches at Loki. Ineffectually. So, until the last third of the film, he's just shit on left and right. And then, though, when all hell breaks loose, when, when war comes to New York, he springs into action and he's the guy that knows what to do. And it's like, ah, we found, a, we found his place. It's like, he, he may not be the funnest guy to have a conversation with. No. In that he, he hasn't seen friends and he can't, he doesn't get the reference when you say, pivot! <laughs> but... In a in a combat situation, he knows how to direct traffic and he knows how to fight. And I thought that was interesting that they they saved that for towards the end of the film, and it ended up working because I could have seen him walking out of that film looking like the weakest element of the cast, where it's like, ah, oh, shit. Well, they do, they do a good job of keeping him away from the movie in Infinity War because uh, they just send him off with a black. Oh my Widow. god! Yeah, he just he's just like a non-element. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they did that because I'm like I don't want to see what he's t-. like when we were watching we were watching it <laughs> I don't care what Cap's up to <laughs> like seriously we were rewatching it and I'm like I'm glad that they're like he's such an a- like those two characters are such afterthoughts like nobody really cares about those two Black Widow or Captain America so like you know what just have them do their own adventure and then meet up with Black Panther that's the best that we can do well I listen I I told you before we went on on the air that uh, I listened to the director's commentary for Infinity War <laughs> and um. It's directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, who, of course, did uh, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. That was their first film with MCU, and then Civil War, and then Infinity War. Um, so what what they said on the commentary was that Captain America in the, I guess, earlier versions of the script was not supposed to appear until, like, until Thanos was on Earth. Oh, really? Until, until Vision was in danger. In be, Wakanda, so that, that would, would be like the last fifteen minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, in the earliest version of the script, that was where he was supposed to show up, and apparently the directors were on board with that because in their mind they wanted to like hold his reveal as long as possible. But then they got a, a veto from on high saying he gotta put Cap in there at some point. Jesus. <laughs> so instead, we get him showing up at the the train station. Uh, when Vision and uh, Scarlet Witch are getting beat on, that's a decent reveal. Um, beard Beard Cap works for me, although I don't know. I feel like there's a beard variant of every hero nowadays. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it's required. I think it. I think it's mostly for the female audience to like keep them engaged. Where it's like, yeah. oh, he has a beard now. <laughs> yeah, you perk up when you see Chris Hemsworth's uh, haircut and Thor Ragnarok. Like, oh, we got a haircut, huh? Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, I oh. think. I think I figured out a little bit more why I like Guardians of the Galaxy and. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It has to do with what the characters are doing outside of Avengers. Um, I like space movies. I like there's something about being on a spaceship that seems cozy, doing those kinds of jobs. Um, I'm actually reading The Expanse right now, which the main character is that. Like they are more or less, you could say, mercenaries that are out doing jobs for money, and that's kind of what the Guardians of the Galaxy are doing. 
which is why I'm more drawn to their thread. It just seems like more fun for me. Like Thor is like mystical, like up in uh, up in the clouds, heaven kind of deal. Um, Tony Stark is present day rich dude, which I I'm like uh, just kind of jealous. I don't I don't really want to dive into his life. Like it just his his house looks awesome. I don't want to I don't want to see that. Um, yeah, and I think that's what that draws me to the Guards of the Galaxy, and they're all funny. Like the, it's just there's not like comic relief in that movie. In those movies, it's you get a serious relief. It's like the movies are funny, and then occasionally you're gonna get some serious some serious uh, moments. Yeah, um, I see what you mean. I mean, they they are mercenaries in that seems like they aren't heroes in the traditional sense unless they have to be. Yeah. Or they're you know, they have a day job essentially. <laughs> like where like Thor just by virtue of being is always going to be a hero, I guess. Um and same with Tony Stark. It's like his his responsibilities are to keep keep Stark Industries and the Avengers operational. Yeah. So from day to day, he's busy. And also, ever since that first Avengers movie, he also has, like, PTSD. (laughs) And is dealing with it by being overprepared for everything. And it's kind of pissing off the wife. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. But um, one one slight objection I have, and it's not not in the moment. It's more just in retrospect. Because in the moment, it's very enjoyable. Um, But looking back on the Guardians of the Galaxy films and pretty much every Marvel movie after that, um, there's a there's a Marvel rhythm to dialogue that gets a little obnoxious at times and it feels almost tailor-made for trailers or something. Yeah. Where it's like, funny, 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 heavy. Funny, 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 heavy. <laughs> Where it's like ev- everyone in the cast is, is clever to a certain extent and then all of a sudden things get heavy out of nowhere and it's like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's a, it's a rhythm that actually reflects real life to some extent, because oftentimes bad things do come out of nowhere unexpectedly. Well, but go- when, when you're watching the film, it's quite enjoyable. When, but when you look back on it, it's like, oh, that was kind of weird. <laughs> well, if you if you think about the different characters, like Gamora, she's had a heavy upbringing. She's been right underneath Thanos the whole time, and she's got some issues. And then you have... Um, Oh, I can't think of his name. What's Batista's character's name? Drax. Drax. Um, his character altogether is just a different. He's. I just think of him as like a Viking. Like he's just dumb as a box of shit, crazy strong, <laughs> and he's got his own like. He's got his own uh, anger issues. Yeah. And Quill is just a dipshit. Like he's just yeah, kind of a he's dipshit. A, he's a man child. He's a. He's just a dude following his dick. And then Rocket, on the other hand, is just money. He he just wants money. <laughs> so you have all these these people have all these things pulling at them from different ways. And then Groot's just he's just Groot. He's just well, loyal. I, I forget if it was the first Guardians or the second one. Um, I can't recall if, which one it was, but uh, the the thesis behind all the characters is that they're all broken. Yeah. Is that they're all damaged goods in some way. And they all found each other, and they all lean on each other for support. And it, it creates a beautiful, like, family dynamic. And even, like, the very first shot of a... Uh, the very first shots that they're, they're in, in that Infinity War movie, are them, like, singing together, driving around in... in uh, was it the Milano? <laughs> As I in think, Alyssa Milano? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
And then uh, you t- they have a seat for Groot, who's now in his teenage form. Yeah. And he's playing, like, the equivalent of his, like, Tiger Electronics game. And you get the sense that it's, like, they're a family unit. And, in fact, like, the first shot of the Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, like, the opening scene when they're fighting the big uh, Lovecraftian monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, all, we keep cutting back and forth between them fighting the monster and trying to take care of baby Groot. So it's like they're all surrogate parents to this little tree man. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, the family is, like, the core theme of, of that particular group of characters. Um, and I really enjoy that. And they have good interplay. But I got to ask you, like, Gamora, um, mm-hmm. I really, I was very happy with the, the arc they went with with her character. Yes. Uh, by the time we get to Infinity War, I felt like that was wrapped up in a neat little bow. Um but what's always been funny to me is that her character's radically different in the comics. Oh, really? Um, yeah, radically different. Um, so the first time I saw her in that, that first Guardians movie, it was kind of like, what? Because, what? <laughs> um, yeah, like her whole connection with Thanos is definitely, that's, that's a huge element in the comics. But her, her personality is very different. Because in the comics, she's supposed to be kind of like Devil May Care, very cavalier, uh, very loose. Oh, okay. She gets around. Uh, but she just kind of has that, like, you know, fuck it kind of mentality. <laughs> Whereas in the movie, she's she's an ice queen. Like, she's, yeah. she's like a cold-blooded assassin type person that doesn't let people get close. And it was just very strange that, that they spun that that way. But I get it from a character dynamic perspective. You can't like, have everybody say... You can't have... We can't have, we can't have everyone be funny. Because she would just be... Although... That'd be pretty fucking hilarious if, if uh, in like a future film or something. Uh, well, no, that would be really disrespectful, actually. If if uh, Peter Quill met met his female equivalent, that would be funny. <laughs> like uh, the exact same person, just a woman. Well, you can't you can't have Rocket, who's finan- just money motivated, Quill, who's dick and money motivated, um, and you've got uh, Drax, who's just bloodthirsty like he just wants to kill Thanos like that's all he gives a shit about really oh yeah he sees red when when he sees Thanos but in between that he's a very cool dude I swear yeah you can't you can't have (laughs) just don't get him drunk you can't love God you can't have that dynamic without somebody trying to keep the okay children we have to stay focused here yeah 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 also I'd be a mom in the room Considering the age range that these movies are going after, it's probably not wise to have a quote-unquote loose character for a female. <laughs> um, just, yeah. you know, well, I got into... Like, like I said, I, I get it, I respect it, I enjoy it. It's just an observation. But uh, Quill, Quill, I always... A lot of people really hated him after Infinity War. Yeah. certain things that he did. He's the reason why we have a second movie. Seriously, like, he's the reason... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but I think it was I, a, it was a good move. I think it was, I think it was a good move. Um, that's rewatching the the Infinity War. I'm like, you know what? That was that was that was smart. Like, not, I, I like. How are you gonna make more money off of a second movie? Like, you have to be able to make more money. Well, um, and it it had to be him too. Yeah. Like it, it had. If somebody was gonna blow it, it had to be him. Well, you can, it, it, I mean, they did it as well as you could do it. That line, did we just lose, is yeah. pretty fucking beautiful. Well, you can see how quickly his, he, he 
Because he's like a, he's still a child, basically. He's only that, that's a, what I like about the character is that yeah. he is a man child. Yeah. And when you think about the history of the character, uh, it, it makes fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, he was abducted as a child, uh, ran away from his dying mother, so he's forever running away from something, and may as well be adulthood. I, I another thing I appreciate about the, appreciate about those movies, especially the first one, um, is the use of music. Now I think. Oh, okay. When you when you think about it, you're like, oh, it's just kind of cheap. They're taking these good. Uh, what was that? Come and get your love. That song where he's like dancing, like, oh, you're just dusting off one of these classic Motown tracks and like getting people into the older music again. But it actually has significance to the movie. It's the cassette that his mom gave him. Um, mm-hmm. That's the last thing he had before his uh, his mom died. He never saw his mom again. And I think that's it's it's has it's useful in the movie. I, I actually like it, um, and it's a good no, way. I, yeah, okay. I my. Uh... My example of licensed music uh, ruining a film. Uh, Suicide the, Squad. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, actually the the most prominent example that comes to my mind is uh, was it is it Macy Gray? Who's yeah? I, I know who Macy Gray is. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, she was in the first Spider-Man movie just because. Um, they have a festival and she's just singing oh you're right you're right yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's in the film yeah she was big at um, the time there there was that and then uh daredevil right around the same time oh god like a year later where uh there's a lot of licensed music just sprinkled throughout the evanescence song being like Ugh. the most prominent example but like even when we're first introduced to michael clark duncan's kingpin we get this ba-dum, ba-dum. Like this hip hop track that just starts playing over a helicopter shot of his skyscraper, and there is a time and a place for licensed music in your film, and that is not it. <laughs> we were also um, that first Spider-Man movie. Remember that they had that dude from Saliva and the dude from Nickelback do that song together. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, the hero or whatever. We were still doing we were still doing songs for movies at that point. Well, you need to remember Sony. Sony. Sony is a record label. And it was also before the superhero movies were, were viable at that point. Like, Blade did make a shit ton of money, but that's that could have been an isolated incident. It got Spider-Man greenlit, but it's still not a proven path yeah. to success just yet. So licensing music and stuff is, in some ways, a, a good way to create synergy and you know ensure that your your product will make some money back (laughs) yeah so i get it i get it but at the same time things like marvel cinematic universe movies um it's a universe it's it's not my world it's like their new york is not my new york yeah um so hearing my music in their universe feels somehow cheap i guess Mm -hmm. um so part of my brain always like sets off an alarm when that happens in these fantastical films and stuff but like you said in Guardians of the Galaxy if you if you can tie it into the plot and the and the characterization I can forgive that and yeah. they did it very successfully very well very well um, in fact that that reveal of him opening the second cassette at the end of the movie was you know, it it hit me. It's like fuck you, Guardians. You got me twice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Two movies, and you got me twice. Actually, I uh, I just realized something. Um, I f- I think I figured out another reason why I'm not crazy about the Captain America movies. <laughs> Is that they're too serious? I too I, serious. Th- it's just too serious. Too- 
you you have seen one point five Captain America movies. How exactly. Can you tell me that? That's why I lose it. It's because I'm like, oh, this is how, not. How can you tell me they're too serious? It's too you've serious. Only seen one and a half out of three of them. It's too serious. That's why I just I lose it. That's why I can't get through them. I'm just like this. This isn't fun. This isn't fun for me. This is a fucking Dude. comic book character. Make this fun. Okay. Well, that first one is essentially the Rocketeer, just with Captain America instead of. <laughs> Bill Campbell is the Rocketeer. Um, Winter Soldier, and I will I will concede it is a more serious film than the other ones we've been talking about. Um, that's actually what I like about it. I gotcha. I like I like that for the most part it's focused. Okay, and that's something that I feel is oftentimes lacking in a lot of the, especially the later MCU films, because again, double-edged sword of having a cinematic universe is that one. The, the good edge of it <laughs> the edge facing outward <laughs> is uh, you have access to characters and locations across many other franchises the back edge of it, the one that's facing you is that you have access to those characters and locations and sometimes it leads to things becoming cluttered where it's like, you know, sometimes I just want a Captain America story. Or sometimes okay. I just want to see the Punisher and I don't want to hear people talking about fucking Hawkeye and Hulk <laughs> and Thor. So it's just shut the fuck up and let him shoot people. Uh, I... With Winter Soldier, it's mostly a Captain America story. It's it's a small story until the end when it gets... We get the goddamn comic book movie ending where there's usually the joke is usually there's a blue laser coming out of the sky or something yeah <laughs> where it's like we we go from having an intimate focused story to all of a sudden oh my god all hell is breaking loose and we need to save all of new york or or the entire planet or whatever it's like can't we just end things with a fist fight <laughs> why do things have to explode and that's kind of what happens in Winter Soldier, and it is a little obnoxious where it's like, okay, this got too big too fast. But up until then, like the first three quarters of the film, it's like, okay, he's he's running around, he's driving, he's punching people. I can get I can get behind this. But then when we start having flying aircraft carriers and explosions <laughs> over DC, and by the way, no innocent bystanders are killed, not one. <laughs> then things get a little stupid, and but that that's a sin committed by virtually every comic book movie, where the the endings are always overblown. Civil War countered that a little bit, but instead it had the big stupid moment at the midway point instead of at the end. I think <laughs> there's always a big stupid moment. I think we've pinpointed what what why we defer is. I want a comic book movie to be entertaining, and I'm okay with it being silly. You, on the other hand, are like, you know what? I would appreciate a good, like an actual, a good movie, a good well, story. Well, I like, I like action movies. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm not, I'm not so much drawn to the, the comic booky, you know, gee whiz factor. Like, like the fancy, you know, craziness and stuff with all the colorful explosions stuff. That's, that's secondary for me. It's like, I, I mostly just like action movies, and that's part of what attracts me to Captain America as a character is uh, his capabilities. Um, I like that he's at that, that sweet spot where it's, he's extremely capable from a physical standpoint, but he's also vulnerable, where it's like, if you shoot him, he will die. Uh, however, he can run as fast, he can run, you know, 40 miles an hour or whatever and flip a car if he really wants to. So you you get you get both elements of it. Should we? And, um, and 
like his power set is what leads to action scenes that I would like to see is the the opening of Winter Soldier and I know you haven't seen it I've seen just, I've seen I've I know I've seen the first Captain America I've seen a majority of Civil War I think I've seen maybe like the first five minutes of Winter Soldier okay did you get to see GSP no <laughs> George St. Pierre's in the fucking movie wow yeah Okay. <laughs> yeah, George St. Pierre plays Batroc the Leaper. Is he good he's, in it? He's there just to throw punches and kicks, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. I mean, he's not there for dialogue, although he does speak a little uh, Quebec. <laughs> he does speak a little Quebecois. Um, our, oh, man, I saw that movie in the theater with my ex, who happens to be fluent in French, and she was like, oh, my God, he is so French-Canadian. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, oh, very but the opening of Winter Soldier is a combination of a James Bond opening and a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, okay. It's pretty fucking glorious because it's basically just an excuse to watch Captain America wreck a whole bunch of people's shit on a on a ship, on a boat. Um, and the entire scene is basically just to show you this is what Captain America can do against normal people. <laughs> and it's pretty fucking great. I mean... It would have made me happier, I guess, if he had done Steven Seagal shit, like, you know, break everyone's necks, or... Mm. Oh, if only there was a bar on the ship, and he had to, <laughs> and he had to like, instigate a conflict in a bar. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Captain America bar fight. <laughs> There's a video... I want to send it to you. If There's only a... there was an Eskimo on the in the bar that needed to fend it. <laughs> I don't know if I've told you about this, but there's a an interview that Steven Seagal is having, and this is, you know after his sex dungeon thing and he's living in Europe um, he the it's the movie that he did with Michael Jai White uh, it was shortly after that I don't remember oh, what it was um, that was Exit Wounds Michael Jai White? Was, yeah he's Michael Jai White's uh, no wait yeah that was Exit Wounds I thought it was late. No, there was a there's a later one I'm thinking of, but oh, maybe they teamed up again. But Exit I, Wounds was in the late '90s, and Michael Jai White plays the villain. In this this was a fairly recent, like a 2015, 2016 Seagull movie. Um, oh shit! Um, and Michael Jai White might have just been a choreographer, a fight choreographer on the on the set. But uh, this guy is talking to Seagull, bloated, disgusting, fat Seagull, and he was asked like, <laughs> "Are there other?" <laughs> Um, he's asking him like, are there other like martial artists and fighters in Hollywood that you would that, if, like if you had to get into a fight, you would want to back you up? And he's just like, why would I need anybody else? He's like, who who do you have in mind? Who would who could help me beat somebody <laughs> up? Is what he's asking, and and the guy just goes, Michael Jai White, and Steven Seagal goes, can I laugh in your face? Like I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I would put money on Michael Jai White in, in both of their primes. I would put both of their primes. I would put money on Michael Jai White over Steven Seagal. You think? All day, all day, every day. Yeah, Jesus. His he is a crazy person, but I like yeah. the oh man. We, wow, thank thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I, I'll try to find know it. That. I'll try to find it and send it to you. So Please do you want to do. do you want to switch gears? I think from here we could we could even we could either do a Chris Farley show where we just gush over <laughs> our uh, our favorite our favorite movie for whatever reason. It's like do you remember that part? It was awesome. Yeah. 
Or we can go through, uh, if you want to, the movies that we disliked in the MCU. Hey, remember when Jeff Bridges yelled at that one guy and said, With a box of scraps! That was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I mean, we could go wherever we want with this. Um, I know you, you wanted to point out that uh, there were some small but very impactful cameos in some of these later uh, MCU movies in particular yeah. that I uh, made you, I'm guessing, like giggle like a schoolgirl. Yeah, I, one of the other reasons that I liked about Guardians of the Galaxy is Benicio del Toro. Anytime that he pops up, I'm I'm usually kind of excited. I'm like, oh, Benicio, because he'll, he'll he'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's funny. And he's also really scary. Like if you see him like in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, he's creepy but still kind of funny. But then you see him in Sicario where he's fucking terrifying. Uh, did you see Sicario? Kyle. Kyle. Yes. I, okay. I, it's, thank on God. The, it's on the shelf. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Kyle, I need to ask. Maybe you can tell me this. Um, in Sicario. Yes. When he puts his crotch in that man's face, what is he doing? What? <laughs> I, I, I've seen this movie like three times now because I really like it. Sicario is a fantastic. It's movie. fantastic, yeah. I have a buddy of mine. He's seen it like six times. Like he's obsessed with it. In, in fact, uh, I I watched Daredevil season three not too long ago, and they owe a lot to Sicario. I bet. Uh, even the score sounds a lot like it. Um, but yeah, there's a scene where um, it's I think after they come back from the border town. I forget which part of Mexico it is. I think it's Juarez. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, they retrieve that guy from from the garage or whatever. Yeah. And then they, they get across the border. They have that awesome scene at the border crossing that's t- tense as all hell. It's really good. Um, and then they have a guy in interrogation. And Benicio comes in with a water jug that he places on the floor. And we can, ins- we can assume he's going to waterboard this gentleman. We don't see it. Um, but, yeah, he, he just, like, pulls his, his coat back and, like, stands awkwardly close to this man crotch first and I don't know what's happening but it, it almost looks like he's trying to show him something like a, like a scar or something but I don't know what the fuck is happening it's well, like, is, I, are you trying to get him to blow you I uh, think no uh, no words are exchanged Benicio's character his family were killed by the cartel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I th- I'm thinking I've heard that genital mutilation is kind of a part of their torture sequence oh uh, I think maybe that might have something to do with it. He might have... Like I said, it looked like he was trying to show him something. Or that, either that, or he's got a tattoo that means assassin or something like that. And, like, I may not waterboard you here, but I'm going to get you eventually. I don't really know. I don't remember I've, that scene. I've always been curious about that scene, because there's something that's supposed to be communicated there that I just did not get. I'll, te- I'll text my buddy. I'll ask him about that. Um, <laughs> Why he- did Benicio put his crotch... In that man's face. I'm actually going to text him now while we're talking. <laughs> like, why did... But, Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, Benicio in uh, Guardians and uh, and Infinity War was... He's only there for a couple seconds. I feel like Disney must have got a contract with him or something because he seems to be doing a lot of work for them lately. Yeah. But... Um, Star Wars. I love, I, I love the... Yeah, Star Wars. Um, I love the stuff he does with his hands. As a as the collector in the Guardians films, mm-hmm. 
Like, you can tell that he's just having a ball. Yeah. He's just coming up with weird shit for weirdness sake. And the directors are just like, yep. Yep, do it. Yep, do it. <laughs> James Gunn's just like, yep. Weirder the better. Keep it coming. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of and some other nice cameos besides my favorite, Jeff Goldblum. Everyone, everyone's that favorite. That was so Kyle. good. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I mean... It's just Jeff Goldblum, like not even doing a character. It's just Jeff Goldblum <laughs> talking. It, it's just Jeff Goldblum, but you know, sometimes, sometimes that's all you want. <laughs> I want to see Stanley Tucci do one of these little roles. Oh, that's a good pick, man. It's, I mean, Stanley Tucci is not afraid to collect a paycheck. <laughs> no, so he would not be hard to get. But what? He's is Sam always Ro- welcome, though. Is Sam Rockwell in that second Iron Man movie? Am he I? He is. Uh, I I think he's the best part of that movie. Is he the? Is he the bad guy? No, because I know that Mickey Rourke is the quote unquote bad guy. But is uh, he yes, like the um, Miguel Ferrer uh, bad guy? Like in Rogue <laughs> Is he like? Uh, yeah, actually, this, Bob he's, Morton. Fuck he's yes, the, <laughs> he's the suit bad guy. <laughs> um, so just to get out of the way. Uh, Jeff Goldblum plays a character by the name of the Grandmaster, mm. and uh, <laughs> Sam Rockwell plays uh, Justin Hammer, who is supposed to be like a, a a rival company to Stark Industries as a as an arms manufacturer. And yeah, he's he's the man in the suit. Uh, <laughs> he's the Dick Jones uh, in in a uh, RoboCop terms. RoboCop, yeah. So there's. Like the Ed 209 that Robocop had. There's, yeah, Clarence Boddicker, who Robocop has to fight and kill, and who Robocop has, like, a personal stake in the fight with. But then there's the guy in the suit who's above that. Yeah. And that would be him. And Back in time for having, corn He's flakes. having a ball. <laughs> 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 oh, Robocop is a delight. I love Sam Rockwell. I just watched that. He's fantastic. He got an Oscar. I'm glad he got an Oscar for uh, Three Billboards. He's really good in that. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, he's really good. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about Oscar-worthy, but I'm glad he got an Oscar because, honestly, I think he could have gotten it for uh, The Green Mile because his character was fucking... It was good. Like, he was funny, but he was also terrifying. Do you remember him, Billy the Kid? Uh, no. Oh, Wow. I, I've seen the Green Mile, but I can't remember much of it. Okay. Other than other than the stuff coming out of Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty memorable. Uh, <laughs> um, did did that feel like a like a replacement Oscar? Or you know, sometimes there's instances where the the right actor gets the right award for the wrong movie, where it's like. Leonardo DiCaprio, for instance, The yeah. Revenant. I'm not sure that that's the no. movie that he should have gotten it no. for. No, Tom Hardy should have got Best Supporting, if anything, out of that movie. Because, uh, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street, I, I thought, was a more complete performance. It was, yes, I would agree. I think he, he should have gotten it, for what I hear, he should have gotten it for The Aviator. Apparently that's supposed to oh, be. Oh, yeah, it's very good. Um, I would argue that he should have gotten Best Supporting for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Um, I think it went to Tommy Lee Jones or somebody else that year, but he that's just... that's the thing is like people on the internet like to talk about like oh so and so should have gotten such and such award that year. It's like, did you look at who they were up against that year? <laughs> well, <laughs> because a lot of times there's a good reason. <laughs> well, wa- I just watched that um, the Joaquin Phoenix. You were never really here. Yeah, fucking fantastic. It's really good, and his I really like his character in there. 
Um, but he was up against uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, um, I think, uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood, and Joaquin had done The Master, which both are really, really good. Um, definitely should have gone to Daniel Day-Lewis, but that's just that's a tough break because Joaquin Phoenix's uh, performance in The Master is really good. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think, should have gotten an award. The problem with that movie is it was, quote-unquote, um, kind of a Scientology it that's, was yeah. That's mostly what I know about it. I, it's very high on my list of movies I'd like to see. <clears throat> it's one of my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman movies. Uh, him in that in that role. No, but. I've I've heard it's very good, and it like just from a visual standpoint, it looked great. And that's that's Paul Thomas Anderson, also, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, um, anyway, we should probably get back to Marvel. I was gonna say back to comic <laughs> books. Um, <laughs> back to shit. Well, I. I want to say, like, I really... It took me a long time to watch Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok, and those are the two most recent that I watched. And I really like both of those movies. They're they're both really great. I, I think I'm edging Black Panther a bit more. I think I'm going more on that side. Um, somebody uh, uh, brought up the point... Uh, I think maybe another podcast I listened to, they're like... Um, they were talking about diversity in movies, and they're like, there hasn't been diversity in movies since Black Panther. Like, that's the most diverse movie. Um, it, I think Andy Zirkus, uh did. I was not expecting him to be in there <laughs> <laughs> as a real person, like not even mocap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like, other than his arm, yeah, I think he was all there. <laughs> he was really good in that movie. Oh, he was having a ball. Uh, yeah, I liked. I liked that untethered criminal, that one that just does not give a fuck. No, he he was he was having a hell of a time with that role. Like like you could tell he was just taking it for a walk <laughs> i think it was a well-rounded movie my only problem was michael b jordan who i do like <laughs> i but i just don't like him as a bad guy. like he does a good job in that movie as a bad guy but i just don't like him as a bad guy he just seems <laughs> he's too friendly looking like i, I yeah, don't know i'm just not he buying does kind of have a like friendly baby face quality to him yeah. and i've said it before like uh, he's extremely charismatic but in in that role he he has some very heavy lines he has to say. He does that are scripted very well, but his delivery of them sometimes comes across more like petulant than menacing or like I don't know, like he's trying to communicate that heavy a message. It just sounds like a whiny kid sometimes. Yeah, maybe if he would have just like really like really screamed, <laughs> like really yelled it. Um, what? Who's the fellow from uh, Twelve Years a Slave? I can't I can't pronounce his name. Oh. Chewedal edge for yeah. Um, he is uh, in that god awful uh, Four Brothers movie with Mark Wahlberg's and oh he is yeah. Um, I mean the, he's done a lot of shit. He's actually been around a long time. Like, that movie is terrible. His performance fantastic. He's awesome. Doesn't that, that end in like a fist fight on the ice or something? On yeah, because it's like Michigan. I think they have it's like yeah. On, um, <laughs> they're in Detroit or something like that. Um, his performance in that movie is is really really good. Uh, he's a good actor. He's, he's really good. Um, you should watch that one just for. Him. I just, actually want to because I'm trying to remember if that was Antoine Fuqua or John Singleton. And it might, John Singleton, I think, is the 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 Boys in the Hood guy, but uh, Antoine Fuqua is like this. I I like his movies because he tends to make like crappy genre films. For instance, The Equalizer is his like current franchise. Okay. So it's like crappy genre movies, but he's a talented director, so he adds like a, a layer of class to it that make that elevates the subject matter. Mm. 
it's I can't John, remember who directed Four Brothers. I, I feel it's like John it's Singleton. Yeah, I know my shit. <laughs> um, he also produced Baby Boy and Boys, and he wrote Boys in the Hood. He was a writer for Boys in the Hood. I did say I know my shit, right? Yeah, he did. <laughs> By the uh, way, uh, Chewetel Ejiofor is in Doctor Strange. Oh, is he? So he is an element on the table. Um, How was he not in Black Panther? Because he was in Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, he really he messed up. He could have. I, I don't know what role he could have played. Um, what's his face? Our guy from uh, the Predator. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, oh, we like that uh, name. Ha <laughs> uh, The the main funny guy. Oh, um, I can't think. Are of you his talking name. about the guy who played Nebraska? He's he's his uncle. He's uh, Black Panther's uncle in that movie. Oh. Oh, 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 shit. Ah, man, I can't remember his name. But, um, yeah. Sterling K. Brown. Out. Sterling K. Brown, sorry. Sterling K. Brown. Got it. <laughs> he should be in everything. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's delightful. And surprisingly enough, like, when I remember when we did The Predator, uh, we are looking at his filmography, and it was, like, pretty shallow except for TV stuff. Yeah. It's like, so he's a working actor, but he's not not getting the really big roles it's like why the fuck not <laughs> i i feel really stupid now um that i've seen moonlight because when we did the predator movie i hadn't seen moonlight and we're like who's this really handsome young black guy trevante Rhodes? oh he's moonlight. Uh, he's in moonlight and, oh he's in the you know the oscar winning film from yeah. like a year ago <laughs> yeah i've now when i we're realized bad people kyle seriously when bad i realized people. who he was i'm like oh my gosh can we take can we like, just edit that out of that pot <laughs> that episode because now i feel awful yeah that's a little humiliating oh, i didn't gosh. know that <laughs> somebody's just you <clears throat> that yeah. movie is really good um the the acting in it like uh because it goes from when he's a child to when he's a teenager to when he's an adult and his um his demeanor, the way he acts in each like each uh, actor doing that performance, it's really good. Like it's hmm. consistent. Um, it's it's a really good movie. Obviously, Naomi it's a really Harris good movie. is in there, right? Yeah, she's in there. Um, she Naomi, good. Yeah, she's really good. She plays okay. his mom. <laughs> it's it's a. It's she doesn't good. always show up to play. But, oh, yeah. she shows up in that movie. I was actually really disappointed because I'm watching the new season of True Detective, um, which I'm I'm really enjoying. Um, but the guy. He's in um, he's in Moonlight, and he's the main character in this new season of uh, uh, True Detective. But he's barely in it. Um, I can't I can't pronounce oh, his Ma- name. Uh, My Mahershala Mahir- Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. Yeah. He was a he was a big element in that Luke Cage show on the Netflix. Also. Oh really? I like yeah, him. Yeah. Um, actually, it's it's kind of hilarious. As soon as he exits the story. The quality of it just... I can see that. <laughs> it's like, wow, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I, was, I was disappointed he wasn't in Moonlight a little bit more. Um, but yeah. We should... Uh, we really got to get back to the comic books. <laughs> 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 Whoops. <laughs> um...